great to have everyone here. And uh, first of all, can I just say what a fantastic evening we've had so far. I hope you'd agree on that. From the solo by Maddie at the very start, to the readers, to the poem by Anne, to the choir magnificently led and trained over recent months by Gemma, um, to the spoken word by Sai, to all the people who've worked so hard behind the scenes to lay on magnificent refreshments, the tech guys with the lighting and the decorations and the setup and the video. Can we all just give a big thank you to everyone involved in making tonight what it is? Well, we've still got one carol left and then more refreshments. But before we do that, I want us to take a few minutes briefly now to think about the, the real meaning of Christmas and the secret of how to have a truly happy Christmas. Because I wonder where you're coming from tonight. Now, maybe you're, you're here this evening. You believe in the possibility of maybe some kind of vague sort of God out there. You don't know what he's like. You've never met him personally. You're not holding your breath. It's going to happen anytime soon. Or maybe you don't even believe in him at all and, and you've been dragged here tonight by a, a neighbor or a work colleague or a friend or you've come out of curiosity or just out of respect for someone who invited you. Wherever you're coming from tonight, can I ask you, come with me right now back to the first ever Christmas and come with an open mind because what if there is someone or something out there? What if he does want to touch your life in a special, maybe a very unexpected way this Christmas and bless you in some way that's going to change your life forever? Uh, you might have heard of the kids who said, I prayed to God for a bike. Then I realized that's not how the Lord works. So I stole the bike and prayed for forgiveness. <laughs> the truth of the matter is, that is how God works. He does intervene in people's lives. And if you were to come to this church on any given Sunday morning, speak to any of the room full of people who come here week by week, you would hear story after story after story of ways in which God has intervened and maybe surprise them and really bless them in certain ways. And that's not always in materialistic ways, so I'm not for a moment promising everyone here right now a bike. But in so many ways, God does intervene and bless, and chiefly, he does that in a relationship. Uh, God loves to, to do that. And um, having a personal, intimate relationship with our Maker, with our Heavenly Father, is something that would be the testimony of, of many who attend this church week by week, changes everything. So let's look into this just for a few minutes. Am I, am I talking like hogwash or is there maybe possibly something? Don't, I'm just the messenger. Let's look at some of the evidence. And uh, we'll begin with the context. And the context basically comes down to one simple, not very festive, I'm afraid, word. The word I'm thinking of is darkness. So about 700 years historically before Jesus was born, the prophet Isaiah predicted his arrival. And as we heard in the third reading just earlier from Femi, he said these words. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, another translation says deep darkness, a light has dawned. And just to be brutally honest for a moment, and here's where the tone of the meeting might change just for a while, because we've got to be honest, there is a lot of darkness around, isn't there? I'm all around our planet are the wars and famines and human rights abuses and, and natural disasters. Think of the tragedy unfolding with the New Zealand volcano as the death toll continues to rise. And, and sometimes the darkness of our world comes closer to home as well. A few days ago we had that election. Maybe the result of that election to some people here represents deep darkness. Uh, or, or just think of the human trafficking in Croydon or the knife crime. 
Um, my family and I were out at a park yesterday, and there was this big Christmas tree in the middle of the park, and to the branches were tied hundreds and hundreds of little cardboard labels that lots of local children had written on their Christmas wishes. And my boys started to pick up a label and a pen and do the same. While they were doing that, I started to idly read some of the labels on the Christmas tree. And they were quite moving. I actually found them very sad. They said things like, my Christmas wish is to see more of my daddy next year, for my nan to get well, for my story to have a happy ending. And the darkness of life can draw close to us at Christmas time in all sorts of ways, can't it? One social commentator recently said, if you're ill, unemployed, broke, lonely, divorced, bereaved, or depressed, Christmas can be really rough. In a survey, 18% of respondents agreed with the statement, I dread Christmas. In another survey, 19% said they, quote, hated Christmas parties. So for many of us, Christmas is anything but the, the happiest time of year. Apparently half a million UK families will have an empty chair at Christmas lunch because they've lost someone this year. So, Prophet Isaiah wasn't wrong. We come to Christmas out of a context of darkness. And the question for us tonight, therefore, is what do we do about that? How do we respond to that? Where do we go with that? And we have options. And the options could be summed up really by three words. I could be a Scrooge or a shopper or take the Santa approach. So let's just have the first slide. Here's the, the Scrooge option. And as you'll know, Scrooge is this character in Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. And Scrooge has allowed the darkness of the world around him to seep into him. And he's allowed the darkness of his own life to make him bitter and cynical and depressed. And that's one way of coping with the darkness, isn't it? Just capitulate, cave in. If you can't beat it, join it. What's the point? And so maybe some of us here tonight have been putting on a good show outwardly of being happy and merry and jolly and you've turned up here and you've sung and you've laughed and you're wearing your Christmas jumper. But secretly, you're kind of resigned to a life that is deeply, deeply sad. You can't really see much of a way out of that. Or maybe not, because maybe that's some of us but not others. Maybe others of us, when it comes to Christmas, we're not so much Scrooge. We're more, next slide, of a shopper. By which I mean this. You don't disagree with Scrooge that there is darkness, but unlike Scrooge, you actually make an effort to pretend it away, cover it over, distract yourself, overcome it. Uh, you throw yourself into the fun of the shopping and the presents and the parties and the food and the carol services. After all, as the proverb goes, it's a Bible verse, funnily enough, eat, drink, be merry, for tomorrow we die. And that's the problem with that approach. Tomorrow we die. It's, it's so short-lived. You know, retail therapy and chocolate and alcohol can make life seem awesome for a bit. But it never lasts. And as soon as January comes with its bleak weather without even Christmas to look forward to and its financial hangover and its, its detox diets, so as surely as January is going to come, so the darkness will flood back in. The, the, the sticking plaster of pleasure-seeking isn't enough. But maybe... We're not so much Scrooge, we're not so much B, shopper, we're more C, next slide, more of a, a Santa kind of person. In other words, we're optimistic, we want to believe in more than darkness, we want to believe maybe there's something or someone or some higher, greater good out there. And so we, we, we believe in more than the darkness, we believe in more than just denial about the darkness by trying to frantically cover it over with pleasure-seeking. There must be more to life than this, we think, and, and so we wonder if there is 
a God out there, and if so, maybe he's a little bit like Santa. You know, he, he lives far away. We never really see him. He's pretty irrelevant to our life day to day for most of the year. Uh, but frankly, he's basically a slightly unnerving moral policeman. When we really want something, we might sort of hope that we've been well behaved and send him up a request. But basically, who he gives favors for depends on how you've been behaving. Um, as the words of the song Santa Claus has come to town puts it, he knows when you've been sleeping. He knows when you're awake. What kind of a spooky old man is this? He knows when you've been good or bad, so be good for goodness sake. Is that anyone's God here? Well, the, the brilliant news that I have the privilege of being a messenger tonight with from the Bible is that contrary to popular opinion and urban myth and fake news, that's not what he's like. And if that's the God you believe in, you'd be better off being an atheist. You'd have a lot more fun. If that's the God you believe in, don't worry, I don't believe in that God either. There's nowhere in the Bible will you find that kind of God. And so here's the point of this evening. The point of this evening is this. There's a fourth option. We don't have to give in to one of those three options. Don't have to allow the darkness to make us cynical and bitter and depressed. Don't have to frantically try and drown it out with retail therapy and, and, and fun and, and short-lived pleasure. Don't have to pin our hopes vaguely on the, the frankly unattractive God who might be out there who vaguely resembles Father Christmas. Because listen again one last time to that prophecy from Isaiah. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. And in Isaiah's prophecy, we go on to learn that that light is actually a person. He, he goes on to write these words very famously. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So fast forward 700 years from that prophecy by Isaiah. And on the first ever Christmas, a child was born. And as we heard in the first reading by Millie, that the baby Jesus arrived, fulfilling as he did so, hundreds, literally, of prophecies throughout the Old Testament. And that little baby grew up to demonstrate unmistakably and repeatedly that he was, to quote Isaiah, Mighty God, God in flesh, God in skin. And so just think about that for one second. God in skin. Like the, the infinite, if you can get your head around this philosophically, the infinite somehow managed to make himself finite. The eternal put limits, minuscule limits on himself compared to the eternality that he enjoyed. That the creator climbed into his own creation, became a vulnerable creature. God left the unimaginable glory and splendor and luxury of heaven and swapped it voluntarily for the deep darkness of our earth. And this analogy doesn't really come close, but it would be a tiny bit like if you voluntarily decided tonight to give up um, all of your money, your family, your, your husband, wife, partner, friends, uh, your kids, give up your, your job, your house, your, your, all of your future plans so that you could take the form of an ant and you wake up tomorrow morning and you have a double take because as you look at your body, you realize you are literally an ant. You're you in an ant's body with the nature of an ant. Well, that magnified by infinity is what God did when Jesus came into the world. God did in the person of his son. 
and Jesus' life and character and miracles and teaching and then ultimately his death and his resurrection all unmistakably demonstrated that he really was God. He was the human in an ant's body. He, he was genuinely God as a human. And what's more, all of those things, his life, death, miracles, teaching, character, they were witnessed by thousands of eyewitnesses. And when the Romans and the Jews frantically tried this big cover-up to protect their own power, those eyewitnesses were willing to be in, imprisoned, tortured, and even killed for what, before denying what they knew they'd experienced and seen and touched and heard and felt and lived with. And here's the huge but very simple reason Jesus did that. Here's the reason God came into the world. Here's the reason we have Christmas. He came to die. Because when he gave his life on the cross, what he was doing was taking the punishment for all of the dark things that we've ever done, or even just said, or even just thought, which rightly outrage a perfect God. And when he died, Jesus paid for all of those things out of his love for us so that those of us who trust in him might not face God's rightful, terrible judgment forever after this life, might not face eternal misery. And so for those who do trust in his death, instead of that, there's forgiveness from God and the fulfillment and the joy and the happiness and the, and the, uh, the privilege and the hope of an intimate relationship with him. And it's a relationship that will not only be with us and, and protect us and change us and strengthen us in the darkness of this world, that will do that, but even more than that, it's a relationship which will take us safely into death, through and out the other side, into everlasting joy, eternal life. You might remember these words from Simon's spoken word performance earlier. I'm not going to try and say it like he did. He's much cooler than me. However, these are the words he used. He said, lay down his royal crown. But not just his royal crown, he came to lay his life down and pay the price of sin to ransom us and bring us back to God because we were made for life with him. So this Christmas, please, 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 do not just cave in and give up and give into a Scrooge mindset. Let the darkness around seep into you become part of it yourself and and please don't sell out for the shopper mindset you, there's more that you can aim higher and, and please don't just go for the groundless blind optimism sort of hold your nose approach of yeah there's maybe possibly some kind of god out there he might do something nice for me if i'm good enough instead let's have the final slide head over in your heart to the stable because it's that little baby in the manger who makes all of the pieces fit together and makes perfect sense of everything and, and, and gives us justified hope and profound happiness even through death. And so as I close, let me encourage us as a matter of urgency, check out that fourth option this Christmas. Wise men sought him then. Wise men seek him still. And, and just final thing would be this isn't sort of whistling in the dark this isn't pie in the sky when you die there is hard evidence for this so as i wrap up let me challenge you look into the evidence of the contemporaneous historical accounts the gospels matthew mark luke and john aka uh, the gospels and there is so much again fake news and urban myths and assumptions out there peddled by people who have massive vested interest in this stuff not being true because they'd have to change their lives if it was but they're not full of contradictions they don't have any contradictions in fact and, and they are historically trustworthy. And for those who have the courage to look into them with intellectual honesty and find that they're rightly convinced, 
everything changes. And you won't want to die wondering. So here's the outbox for tonight. Here's the outbox from all of what I've just said and, and the performances we've heard and the carols. If you flip over your service sheet, you'll see on the other side, do that right now, you'll see on the other side uh, a box to tick and some details to fill out if you would like to take this any further. Uh, pens are on the seats. Feel free to keep your pen, take it home. That's our generous Christmas gift to you. You're welcome. And um, on the way out with your candle, pop your completed service sheet, if you would like, in the box on the way out from which you were given your candle on the way in. But for now, let's have one last carol. And if you look carefully at the words, yeah, come on up, Gemma. If you look carefully at the words, you'll spot some of the truths we've just been looking at. Have a very, very happy Christmas. Let's stand and sing.